Welcome to a Sunny Side Up Life podcast, a show for the woman who is ready to live an abundant life full of freedom and positivity. I'm Sammy Womack, and I'm on a mission to help you break free from survival mode, gain financial freedom, stay motivated, and focus on what matters most. Join the movement, and let's start living on the brighter side of life together. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode So this week, we are going to be talking about the insider secrets of rich people. And I asked y'all on my Instagram story and in my private Facebook group a few weeks ago, um, if you guys had any questions on quote unquote rich people and the things that they do. And you guys had some great responses and I did a lot of research for this episode, way, way more than I normally do because a lot of the times I feel like I'm talking about either my own personal life or I'm interviewing someone that is um, sharing their personal experiences. And so for this one, obviously, (laughs) I'm not independently wealthy and so I don't have all of the answers, but This is something that I've been wondering for myself, and so I thought, let's do the research, let's share it on the podcast, and you and I can learn these insider secrets together, right? Um, So I have linked in the show notes to all of the articles that I read. I think I've linked to five. I have linked to three different books, um, and I have read rich dad poor dad and i loved it and i did i did the audio version because y'all know i'm obsessed with audiobooks and i also linked to everyday millionaires which is the chris hogan book and i have not read it yet so i'll just you know say that up front that i have not read it or listened to it yet but i have heard really great things about it and i've heard a lot of people recommending it so i'm adding it to my to read list and i was hoping that i could get it listened to before i recorded this episode but that didn't happen uh, so i'm linking to it just knowing that um i have personally not read it or listened to it but i have heard it highly recommended and it actually was mentioned in i think one or two of these articles another book is the millionaire next door I have not read it, but when I was probably in high school, um, my dad got really into reading The The Millionaire Mind, and it's by the same author. And so The Millionaire Next Door was also recommended in in one of these articles and another one that I'm going to add to my to-read list. And I remember my dad reading The Millionaire Mind, and I actually have it on my shelf. If you see my bookshelf behind me uh, when I do videos and stuff, I actually have it on my shelf. That was my dad's like actual copy that he read back when I was in high school. And I remember him sharing some of his takeaways and just some really great things and and a lot of the same ideas that I found in my research with these articles. And just following people on Instagram that are already millionaires or are on the way to being millionaires. Um, You guys hear me mentioned Shung all the time from Save My Sense and she has been on this episode and I just I adore her I think she's brilliant and she is already her and her husband are already millionaires and they're in their 30s I believe and you know she is just like one of my biggest role models Um, and there's several other people that I follow in the debt-free and fire community 
that are just such an inspiration to me. Um, so if you don't already follow people who are already millionaires or are in the process of becoming millionaires, I definitely suggest doing that because just following them is a huge inspiration to me and to know that it is possible for quote unquote real people. And I, I hear rich people, wealthy people referred to as them. Like it's a, it's a foreign, you know, a foreign version of, um, humans and like something that we can't obtain. And we'll talk about that in a minute, but I just think it's so important to follow real people and know that they're people just like us. They are parents and hard workers and, you know, all these things. Um, so let's start with an article that I found that was 10 things wealthy people do to keep getting richer. And then we'll go into um, some of the other stuff that I have. So 10 things wealthy people do to keep getting richer. Number one, have a financial growth mindset. So they're thinking big picture with their money, right? Network with other successful people. And I have found this so to be true in my personal life and my business life of the more I network with people who are also doing thing, doing big things, doing important, exciting, um, financially savvy things, the more of an influence it has on me. And so like I was telling my husband a couple weeks ago, um, one of my goals has always been to write a book. And it's definitely something that I want to do and will do at some point in my career. And I was like, I mean, what's really inspiring to me is that so-and-so wrote a book, so-and-so wrote a book, you know, and I named like five of my friends off the top of my head that have written books. And I was like, I I was telling him that and I was like, how amazing is that though? Like that is badass and inspiring to me because I'm like, I know that they're just regular girls and like they wrote a book and I can do it. Um, so networking with other successful people, other people who are doing the thing, you know, next get outside your comfort zone. (laughs) Um, I think that's another one of, you know, living in that small minded, um, scarcity mentality of like, no, I'm just going to stay small because it's safer here. You know, we have to break free from that. Next is create multiple income flows. We're going to talk about this in a minute. Also, I have heard the statistic, I think that it is like on average, the average millionaire has like seven streams of income or something like that. I've heard that statistic get thrown out in the, um, in the debt-free community a lot. So you can't have, you can't just count on your day job basically. (laughs) Next is invest, which is similar to the multiple flows of income. You've got to invest, you've got to grow that money. Next, take calculated risks. Again, like you're not going to find what you're looking for inside your bubble of your comfort zone. You've got to take a little bit of a risk. And this kind of reminds me of what I was talking about on um, last week's episode, my interview with Heather. And we were talking about, you know, people taking the risk of pursuing their passions and opening up their own businesses and doing, you know, doing these things and that it's risky and that it's a little scary. But also she was saying, you know, do a, make a plan, make it a calculated risk. Like, yeah, it's always going to be a risk, 
but do your homework a little bit first, you know, and then also when it comes down to it, sometimes you just got to jump, like just take a little bit of a risk. Okay. Next is focus on self-improvement. And we all know this. If you guys have listened to the podcast for any amount of time, I've always said that the, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. And when you start to get intentional with one area of your life, it is going to spill over into the other aspects of your life. So you spend a little bit of time working on your own mental health, working on your own creative outlets, working on journaling, on prayer, meditation, exercise, learning, you know, listening to books, podcasts, great music that inspires you, all these things that are going to help you as a person grow that's going to help and that's going to spill over into every aspect of your life. And your money is not exempt from that at all. So I've told you all that. (laughs) I know that one without any research. Um, The next one is never completely retire. And I think that's another one of when you get to a certain amount of money, your money starts to work for you. So that goes along with investing and having multiple streams of income. Your money is going to be making you money after a certain point. And just us alone with our savings, um, we, in 2019, our goal was to save 40,000 and we did fall short of that by, I think like 5,000, not counting the fact that we took 11,000 of that to cash flow boat. <laughs> um, but we were on track to almost save 40,000 Plus another 10,000 of that was an emergency fund. And just that alone in our ally savings, like this is a savings account. This is not even an investment. We made $500, over $500. I think it was like 526 or something is what we claimed on our taxes from earned interest on that one ally account, on that one one percent earned savings account like I that's crazy to me and so that money is just sitting in an account making us five hundred dollars a year and that's not even trying that's not playing the market that's not investing that's not even being risky that's a really really conservative investment um okay so next y'all know this Avoid overspending. Literally, my daughter asked me, my nine-year-old asked me the other day, um, she's she's really in this kick of like trying to figure out the true value of money. And so she's been asking a lot of questions and I've been trying to like, okay, this is like a make or break of how you answer um, will influence the rest of her life, you know? And so I've been taking it really seriously. And she's like, she's been very much on this kick of like, mama, are we rich? do we, you know, how much money do we have? Like all these things. And so I'm trying to like, well, we're not, you know, we're not rich, but we're, we're doing good. And we are on track to be millionaires one day. And she's like, what? (laughs) And it just blows her mind. And so she asked me the other day, how do rich people get rich? Cause she's very much on this kick of like wanting a mansion and a limo, you know, she's nine. And, (laughs) um, she said, how do rich people get rich? And I said, honestly, June, the biggest thing that I can tell you, the number one piece of advice is don't spend all your money. I said, you earn a certain amount of money and you have to keep 
the majority of that money. You can't go spend it all on stuff like clothes and food and all this and fancy cars and all this stuff. You spend less than you make. And she was like, oh, like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And I'm like, yeah, it makes sense to you. It doesn't make sense to the average adult for some reason. <laughs> the last one is take time to reflect. And I think that's, again, going along with the the self-improvement. You know, like we have to spend that time focusing on our foundation. It's not always just reaching, 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 making the next dollar. Sometimes it is stopping and realizing where we are and working on all that mindset stuff. And like, are you good within yourself? Because if you're not good within yourself, you're building wealth on a crumbling foundation and it's just not going to work. It's not going to, it's not going to sustain. So let's dig into the millionaire mindset since we're kind of on the topic of like building that good foundation. And I have found in my own life and in all of my research that the mindset is where we always have to start with every single goal that we are achieving. And the millionaire mindset is no different. So that's really where a lot of these a lot of these books come into play. And I think there's a different level of money books. So when you're first starting your journey, you're going to read, you know, a lot of the basics, the total money makeover, you know, things like that. And it's going to teach you very simply how to budget. Okay. Like how to break out of the paycheck to paycheck. And then there is a whole nother level of money books that are essentially teaching you how to become wealthy. And I thought, Rich Dad, Poor Dad was kind of that, um, it was kind of a middle ground for me. So I'm just kind of starting to get into like the the millionaire mindset type books. The, um, what is the book? I'll look it up so I can link it in the show notes. The Dean Graziato book. I actually added it to my Audible and haven't started listening to it yet because I just had a whole bunch of credits that I wanted to um, redeem and like make a to read list. And so Dean Graziato has a lot of books. Um, the The Millionaire Mind books, and um, he has several books. And anyway, so there's a whole other level of books that will help you with that millionaire mindset. So I think that, first of all, we have to realize that we don't want to think that bu- budgeting and like all of this investing in this money savviness only works for rich people. Like it only works for a certain amount of people. It only works for people who were born a certain way. And that maybe is just something that you weren't born with. Like you weren't born with that rich people gene. And that is just not true. If you have ever listened to the millionaire, um, the millionaire hour the Millionaire Hour on the Dave Ramsey show where he interviews everyday millionaires. To me, that's like super motivating because a lot of these people are blue collar people. You know, these are regular folks, as we'd say, like these are real people and they're, they're doing it. And to think that, well, I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. I wasn't born with an inheritance. My parents didn't put me through college you know, I didn't, I didn't inherit anything. Um, and that this just won't ever be me. That is 
the farthest thing from the truth, okay? Obviously, in this episode, we're not talking about people who inherited their wealth. We're not talking about, you know, that whole side of being wealthy and no shame because my goal is to leave millions of dollars to my children, right? That is my goal. And so no shame to the next generation of kids who get to benefit from their parents doing the hustle, doing the hard work to change their family tree. So I think that we have to change our mindset. We have to change our perspective and our vocabulary around this and thinking of rich people as those people, you know, those people that are nothing like me, that don't even live on the same planet as me. That's not, that's farthest from the truth. Um, And honestly, I think that in what you guys have heard, if you've listened to my interviews, um, a, a, several, not every single one, but the majority of interviews I ask towards the end, like, will you ever stop budgeting? And they will always tell you no. You know, a lot of really successful people will tell you, no, I'll never stop budgeting. Um, Shung said that when she was on uh, Sarah Wilson from Go, Go Go Budget Girl, she said that when she was on the podcast, like um, Amanda from Debt Free and Sunny California, like she said that, like they are, none of these women who are out here like killing the game, they don't plan on stop budgeting at any time. So to think that like, oh, at one point, you know, I'm going to stop budgeting. I'm going to do things different. No, you've got to continue to hustle. And it's that mindset. And I think that every single person who is working hard and earning their money deserves to know where their money is going. And they deserve to know that their hard work is doing something other than just surviving, right? And they have to think about that big picture. So we are breaking free from the paycheck to paycheck. We're breaking free from survival mode for just living for the weekend. That's all that matters. We're expanding our mindset. We're thinking big picture. We are writing out goals. We're hustling to get out of debt. We are stacking cash and saving money, right? We deserve more out of life than just surviving. And when you stop with the small-mindedness, with the scarcity, with the living in your bubble of comfort, when you stop of, oh, that's something that happens to other people, that's when the magic happens. How can you possibly achieve all these things when you sit around thinking, well, rich people are bad, they're evil, that's something that happens to other people. No, never mind, I'll just stay right here in my bubble of comfort. Of course, you're never going to get there. Why would you? You're sabotaging yourself right there. Right there, you're sabotaging yourself. And when you, I've heard so many people villainize rich people, wealthy people. Like, oh, I hate rich people. Freaking, freaking rich people, man. They do this, they do that. You know, they're so privileged. You are already 
sabotaging your efforts to become wealthy. And when you have that in your vocabulary and when you have worse, when you have that in your head floating around, how many times do you think it more than you say it? You're you're already ruined. Like you cannot. Why would you ever become rich when you hate rich people? Why would you ever become rich when you villainize everyone with money, you know? And I have even heard people say like, well, you know, they don't even like raise their own kids. Like they have like a nanny and they have like this and they have like, you're, you're villainizing them right there. Stop. Because you will never become something that you hate. So you're, you're already, you're fencing yourself off from a world that you don't want to be in. So there's no point in saving, investing, trying to grow when your subconscious is going to ruin that anyway. Your subconscious is constantly going to go in there and say, we can't, co- we can't become what we hate. So we got to figure out a way to ruin this. Because if I can become rich, I'll be this terrible example of a person that I don't want to be. Okay? So think on that for a little bit. And I hope that that really, like, is a light bulb moment for a lot of you. I personally, I love to follow people who are growing their wealth. I love to hear the success stories because I cheer for them. I... I am cheering them on and I am putting that positive energy out into the world. And I am saying, you know, look at what they're doing. Look at how they, they're helping. Look at how they're giving back. Look at what they're doing for their children, for their children's children. Look at how um, they're going to one day be able to donate millions of dollars to a scholarship fund or you know, follow their dreams or travel or do these great things and good for them because I want to put that positive energy out there so there'll be some positive energy for me to receive, okay? So let's talk about what rich people do. Um, This was kind of a question that I got when I was asking all of y'all, like, what do you want to know about rich people? And they're like, well, I mean, like, what do they actually do? Like, how do they, you know? I think that um, according to my research and what I have learned in my experience is that they know that success isn't just about getting lucky. And I think we've all had some form of luck in our lives. And some of us were born into more privilege than others. That's obvious, but I think that we can't always just chalk it up to privilege and luck. I think that when we, I'm going to try to choose my words carefully here because I know that there is a good deal of privilege and there is a good deal of plain old luck. And I know that being born in a certain country, being born to certain parents, being a specific demographic, 
does give you some sort of privilege. And I, and I realize that and I acknowledge that. And I feel like sometimes we do luck into opportunities and that's fantastic. And I feel like more power to the people that it's easier for. Congratulations, you know. But I also feel like there are people who have overcome so many obstacles who weren't born into privilege, who weren't born into wealth, who weren't um, who weren't helped through college, who didn't have opportunities fall in their lap, and they still made it. So the key to success isn't 100% luck, okay? I also think that there are plenty of people who have had opportunities fall in their lap, who were, were born into privilege, born into wealth, that didn't expand on those privileges, right? Who didn't take advantage of them, who wasted them and things like that. So I don't think that luck and privilege are a hundred percent the reason for success, the reason for wealth. And we're all, we are all dealt our own cards and we have to do what we can with what we're given, right? Um, and a reason why I I love Shung and I'm obsessed with her is that she she was born in China into poverty, into um, near starvation. And her family migrated to America and, you know, her parents hustled and they were, um, her father was a professor, I believe. I don't want to tell her story wrong, but she was not born into privilege. And her parents hustled and then she continued to hustle and all of her, all of her family, her aunts, her cousins, you know, everyone. And she posts a lot about this, about how sometimes in life you've got to make your own luck. You've got to hustle and you've got to play the cards that you were dealt and almost like use that lack of luck, lack of privilege um, as almost a chip on your shoulder, almost like a fire to push you to go even harder, to overcome even more. Because think about how much more badass your story is. You know, even though I hate the fact that we were in so much debt, it's really freaking awesome to be like, yeah, you know, half a million dollars worth of debt. Here we are. You know, it was really hard. And the odds were not great for us to come out of it. And it was really hard on our marriage and things like that. And so I love to be like, yeah, it was really hard, but we did it. You know, and that is like a true, like that's a badge of honor to me that we hustled through that. Um, and so I have found that a lot of people who have the millionaire mindset is the majority of the time they're making their own luck. You know, um, I also have seen 
that something else that rich people do is they don't try to keep up with their neighbors. And a lot of us who are in the debt-free community, you know, we hear this, we know this, like we're not keeping up with the Joneses anymore. We're doing our own thing. We're not keeping up with them. We're not comparing them. We're focusing on instead ourselves, our own goals, our own objectives. And we're focusing on what we want long-term, right? And we are also practicing a lot of self-control in finances. And that is a really powerful attribute that can help in investing as much as in savings. Like it is, it is self-control. It is sometimes delaying that instant gratification for the long-term goal. And not always doing what your friends or your family or your neighbors, coworkers are doing. It is focusing on the end game, focusing on the big picture of really where you want to be. And that is what rich people do. And so anytime you feel yourself like, oh man, like I feel so freaking broke because I'm driving this old car, um, you know, or I'm living in a older house and my family, is, everyone is living in these fancy houses we're not focusing on what other people are doing. We're controlling our finances and we're thinking big picture. And wealthy people also focus on increasing their cash inflows. Like I said about, they have multiple streams of income. They focus on increasing their cash flow as well as reducing their outflow. So I hear a lot of people, and that's fine if you're at the beginning of your journey and people always want to know, well, how do I cut expenses? How do I cut expenses? But a lot of times people don't want to ask, well, how do I increase my income? I feel like that's always a secondary, you know, that's always like a later kind of question, if ever. And a lot of people don't want to own up to the fact that a lot of the times you're just simply not making enough money. So we also, we all, we need to reduce our outflow. We need to stop spending money on stuff we don't need. We need to downgrade in house, downgrade in car, you know, do all these things to cut back our expenses. But we also need to be looking for ways to increase our cash inflow. We have to do both. That is how we overall increase wealth. Rich people and wealthy people, they live below their means on average. Statistics will tell you. Read the articles that I've linked in here. They live below their means. This allows them to achieve their desired level of wealth in a shorter amount of time. They're thinking big picture, right? Um, and a lot of the times, I think that social media gives us such a um, filtered over perspective of things. And one of the responses to one of the questions, uh, one of y'all said was like, well, you know, they're always like living, they are always like living this luxurious life. They're traveling, they're doing these things. So there are two, there are two approaches to that. One, like, well, not even like preface with don't worry about what they're doing for starters you have no idea really what they're doing. You know what they're telling you they're doing. Uh, so there could be two approaches to this. It could be one, they're fake rich. 
they're um, living on credit, they're in debt, you know, and I think that's what a lot of us go to is like, well, they're probably really broke. And again, that goes back to like hating on other people, worrying about what other people are doing. It's really none of our business what they're doing. So one, it could be fake. Two, what if they are hustling and investing and saving and travel hacking and doing these things and that's how they're traveling? Maybe they've been really smart with their money and now they're reaping the fruit of all of their work. So we don't know. We don't know if it's fake. We don't know if they have been hustling and investing and travel hacking and doing all these things to be able to travel and have this luxurious life. Or maybe it is all fake. We don't know. But the point is, is we don't know. And it's none of our business. What other people are doing is none of our business. Okay. Um, so let's not worry about what everyone else is doing and comparing and trying to figure out, well, is it fake? Is it real? How did they do it? It doesn't matter. All we know is what we can do. Okay. And what we can do is live below our means, focus on the bigger picture goal, focus on reducing our outflow and increasing our inflow of cash. That's what we can do. Hey guys, I want to pause right there for just a second to tell you about a really good freebie that I have. I've mentioned it here on the podcast before, but I want to mention it again as we are talking about building our wealth. So I have a free net worth worksheet that is set up through Google Sheets that you can customize and it will help you calculate your net worth and help you watch it grow. So if you've ever seen me share my yellow net worth charts on Instagram or Facebook, this is how I do it. So I will put the link in the show notes and you can click over and download your free version or you can go over to my website, sunnysideuplife.com and you'll see the freebie tab up at the top and you can scroll down on that and see the free net worth worksheet. So jump over, get yourself a copy and start to calculate your wealth. Another thing that wealthy people do is they spend their time much more wisely And again, they think about the end result. So according to entrepreneur.com, which is one of the articles that I've linked, while 85% of rich people read two or more self-improvement books per month, only 11% read for entertainment compared to 79% of poor and a whopping 94% of um, wealthy people read news publications compared to 11% of non-wealthy people. And this isn't like reading it. This isn't like crap news. This isn't like, you know, scare tactics, 24 hour news. Like this is they're reading about business and investments and things that are going to help them grow. And another thing that I, that, I know that Shung and her husband do. She's constantly talking about they're reading um, things like, I think like the Wall Street Journal and, you know, smart people stuff, rich people stuff, y'all. Like this is what they're doing. 94% of wealthy people read news publications. They're educating themselves. 85% of them are reading two or more self-improvement books per month. 
they are learning, you know, and that's, they're focusing on the big picture. Another big concern is health. This was a little, um, kind of, I don't know, surprising, but not really. Once I really started to think about it first, I was like, really health? But then once I kind of read some, some more into the articles, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Um, a lot of the reason is to keep their healthcare costs low. So they think of being healthy actually as an investment, which was, that was kind of a light bulb moment for me. They think about being healthy as an investment. So if they focus on staying healthy, staying active, eating good, things like that, they're not going to have to spend as much money on doctors, medication, you know, things like that. So to them, it is actually an investment to stay healthy. And not only that, they have goals to accomplish. They want to be able to work more. They don't, you know, they don't want to have to take sick days every other month. They want to work more. They have goals. They're hustling, you know, and they want to be able to live longer to actually enjoy the fruits of their labor. They want to live longer because they have these amazing goals. Like they're hustling for this wealth. They're growing this wealth. They're working on these careers. They want to live long enough to actually enjoy it. And also the fact of what we talked about earlier, it spills over into every aspect. So when you feel good in your body, you're going to do better in the rest of your life. So that's why I was kind of like at first, I'm like, health, really? And then I read all these reasons and I was like, oh, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. <laughs> that actually makes a lot of sense. And that's why I read these articles. They were fascinating. So taking a quick coffee break. Um, another thing is travel. And so I mentioned that kind of a little bit, but there were a couple of questions that were actually related to travel and, um, well, they're going on fancy vacations and like, how do I balance? Like I want to save, but also like, I want to see the world and I want to do these things. Travel is, um, I believe this was also in the entrepreneur.com article. Either way, just read all of the articles that I linked to. They were so great. Travel is a favorite splurge of wealthy people. And this is where we get a lot of the, well, we see them traveling. We see them. How are they doing this? So a lot of wealthy people, they aren't wasting their money on like frivolous things. Um, and this is, <laughs> this is not celebrities y'all. This is not, you know, the Kardashians and their insanely expensive wardrobe, you know, your average everyday millionaire person who is first generation rich, things like that. They're not wasting their money on designer clothes on super luxurious dinners out every single night, things like that. They're not buying Lamborghinis and, you know, they're being wise with their money and they're thinking long-term. So they're not buying frivolous things that they're going to throw away that are going to really decrease in value. And the statistics show us that travel is a favorite splurge of wealthy people. And the reason why, again, like the health, it actually makes a lot of sense is because they think of traveling as learning. And like I said, of how much the percentage of wealthy people read, they're learning, you know, they're here for the end game. 
So when they're traveling, they're learning about other cultures. They're having experiences. It's also a form of self-care. And it is also about balancing the family aspect because wealthy people know that it's going to spill over into every other aspect of their life. So if they're doing the self-care aspect, if they are having a family balance, if they're learning and they're experiencing things, travel is somewhat of an investment, you know, so that is their favorite splurge. So your your typical everyday millionaire is is not coming in here, you know, with like Birkin bags and Bentleys and stuff, right? And maybe they maybe they are down the road, but we're talking about first generation people who have hustled for their millions, right? Another thing they do is they rebalance their portfolios monthly, weekly, and even daily. So while the beginner budgeter over here, and no shame, like if you're in the very beginning of your journey at all, but where we're over here struggling to remember to reconcile our budget once a week, like at minimum, a lot of us, like we need to be doing it daily. We need to be doing it every other day, things like that. Our everyday millionaires are over here. They're not just reconciling their budget. They're just not, not like, yeah, I went to Chick-fil-A. I got some gas. I forgot to write that down. They're over here rebalancing their portfolios, y'all. They're not reconciling their little, you know, fast food purchases. They're rebalancing their entire portfolios. They're looking at their investments. They're saving money. They are constantly watching what they're doing. They're watching it grow. They're paying attention if they need to move things around. What's working, what's not. They're paying attention. So think about that next time that you drag your feet on reconciling your budget, your your very like basic budget. Our everyday millionaires are over here rebalancing their portfolios. <laughs> so let's think bigger picture, okay? Another thing is having multiple streams of income, which we kind of mentioned before. Um, this means basically the mindset behind this is that you can lose one and still live well. So how many people do we know or how we've probably experienced this ourselves at some point that we lose a job and that's our only stream of income. And that's where a lot of people get themselves into a really hot mess. Um, and I've heard from a lot of people that that was the downward spiral that got them into so much debt. Well, um, you know, we got we got laid off or one of us got hurt or something like that. And we started living off credit cards and it's just been a downward spiral ever since, right? So our everyday millionaires and our wealthy people, they are, they have more than one stream of income. So they can lose one and still be okay, right? They can still live well. So they have money coming in from every different direction. Some of those examples are being entrepreneurs and being business owners or having multiple businesses. Another one is real estate, um, either, you know, flipping real estate, being owning rental properties, things like that. And next week we're going to talk about, we're going to, um, I have Sarah on the podcast from Nerd's Guide to Wellness and she's talking about rental properties and how that's what they're using to invest in and grow their wealth. And so it's really fascinating if you're interested in that, um, check out that one next week. 
So they invest in real estate. They invest in stocks and dividends and um, side businesses and other investments. They're constantly investing and they're not putting all their eggs in one basket. They have multiple streams of income. So think about that when you are you know, not wanting, like dragging your feet on investing or dragging your feet on starting a side business or investing in some something, right? That's, that's how people are growing their wealth. I think that another reason that the main reason why millionaires earn more is that they are great at growing their careers. So again, like we're not just living for the weekend. We're not just like, screw this job. I just want to go home, you know, things like that. Um, they are actually investing in their careers. They invest the time, the energy to grow their career. So it's not, you know, again, like they're not just cutting back their outflow of money. They're increasing their inflow of money. So they realize that growing their career, getting new skills, learning more skills, is going to help them bring in more money. So most millionaires, and this was according to my research, most millionaires started with very modest incomes and they advanced over time. So even if your income is small now, know that there is a possibility to advance and grow over time. And that's what the typical millionaire does anyway. So you're good. Like you're good right now. <laughs> if you're feeling like, you know, I have a, I have really a modest, I have a pretty modest income. I only have one stream of income, things like that. That's okay. You can start where you are now and grow. And many naysayers will object to these findings, you know, and they'll say, they start to make excuses of why they can't become a millionaire. A common example is something like, and this is a quote that I took from one of the articles, is if some some person makes 250000 a year, well, that's a no-brainer. Of course they're rich. You know, I could do that with no investment risk and just free cash flow. Unless, unless I was an idiot, I could become a millionaire if I made 250000 a year. Right. That's what we all say is like, well, I just don't make enough money. And which maybe you need maybe you need to increase your income. But just summing that up as well, it'd be an, it's a no brainer. That's completely incorrect. A large income does not guarantee a high net worth. In fact, according to this research, there is no correlation between income and wealth. So what we have learned in the debt-free community, in the budgeting community, is that it doesn't do you any good to make 250000 a year if you also spend 250000 a year, which is what a lot of us do. We get a raise, we get a promotion, we change careers, we also increase our lifestyle. And so we might go from making 30000 to making 60000 and so what do we do? We go and buy a bigger house, buy a more expensive car, and we just increase our lifestyle to spend all that 60000 And you're no better off. You're no better off to increase 
your income if you're just going to spend it all. And so I tell you all the time that my husband has had this same career for 14 years. The first eight years, we did basically nothing productive. The only, the, the greatest blessing was that he is in a union. And so we are required to contribute, um, I think it was like two or 3% to his 401k, like straight out of his paycheck and his company puts that in as well. That was the only smart thing, the only financially savvy thing that we did for the first eight years of this career. And that was only because we were required to and the company was going to put that money in there anyway. So that's, I mean, that was it for eight years. That was all that we had to show for it because we were spending everything that we were earning. And then these past six years with the same career and add on, we had three kids over the process of these years, the same career with small cost of living raises, just small cost of living raises. Um, we've been able to become debt-free cash flow all these things with the same career the difference is is that we decreased our outflow of money we changed how we were spending the money that we were getting so just because he's always had this above average job it didn't guarantee wealth for us it just didn't because we were wasting all of it. So if you don't change your mindset and your habits, no amount of pay increase is going to help you. So this article from the Business Insider says the median millionaire spends 90000 a year while earning 250000 in income. An impressive 64% savings rate. So think about that for a second. And I even had a friend of mine um, when I was showing him my new, um, my digital budgeting system. And he was like, a few weeks ago, he's like, hey, did you ever get that the, that worksheet thing that you were working on done? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, can I take a look at it? And, and he's looking at it and everything. And I gave him a copy of it. And he was like scrolling through it and he's like, well, maybe this will teach me how to be rich like y'all. And I said, do you want to know my secret to being rich? Like save like half your income. And he's like, what? And I said, yeah, we save uh, like every paycheck, like 40 to 60%, you know, just depending on what's going on. Um, we save approximately half of our income. And he's like, I could never like do that. <laughs> Well, the business insider right here is telling you that that's what the average millionaire does. They might, the average millionaire in statistics will say that the average millionaire's income is 250000 a year, but they're only spending 90000 a year. And you might say, well, I don't make anywhere near 250000 a year. Well, okay, do the ratio of what that would be, okay, to save approximately half. According to this statistic, the average millionaire is saving 64% of their income. So apply that to your own. I mean, maybe that's not doable right now, obviously, like if you are still in debt or you're struggling just to make ends meet, but maybe that can be your goal. 
maybe that can be your 10, 20 year goal, right? And that's what you're working towards. So you're like, okay, I'm going to look for ways to cut back my expenses and I'm going to look for ways to increase my income. How can we get there? How can we get to that 60% savings rate? Another thing that the average millionaires do is they envision where they want to be in 10 or 20 years and beyond that. And we've talked about that a lot on here of setting goals and setting setting big picture goals, big vision goals. And I have several podcast episodes where we talk about this. So go back and look for some of the ones about goal setting. Um, There's one about a big vision, things like that. If you haven't listened to those episodes and This is the reason why I do this, because I want to be one of these everyday millionaires. So I think big picture. I'm not thinking about just next week. I'm thinking about where I want to be in 10 and 20 years at the end of my life. After I'm gone, what kind of legacy I want to leave for my girls. So when we're envisioning this big picture, they are... Wealthy people are adhering and in in setting up their investment strategies from there. They're thinking long term. So instead of trying to chase the competition or being scared that the stock market is crashing like it currently is, they're not worried about that inevitable economic downturn. They're staying the course. They're not worried that the stock market is doing bad this year. They're thinking about, well, where do we predict that it'll be in 20 years? Because that's what really matters. They're, they're stay, they're staying the course. They're thinking big picture. Another thing is wealth building. Um, Wealth building is just as much about being the best version of yourself. So staying in constant learning mode, like we talked about with reading the books, building the network of like-minded people that can help you reach your goal. And it's also a lot about work-life balance and it starts out tough and I one of the articles I read was you know it really expanded into this of we're thinking big picture here so even though it is tough while you're you know doing a side hustle you're you're hustling to get out of debt you're hustling to bring in some extra income and um, last week's interview with Heather where she talked about hustling through I think it was like two and a half years two years or something and working 90 plus hours a week so she could get out from underneath her student loan debt and pursue her career pursue her passion she knew that that was a short-term hustle for a long-term goal so that might start off tough that beginning of her story that's rough that's hard but she knows that it like currently it's bearable now like she's still hustling she's still working um, other jobs to keep her art business going but eventually and that's even what she said like she doesn't plan to be doing those other jobs forever because when we're thinking big picture we're thinking long term we know that eventually it will be amazing because we have a plan for it We're actively working towards it. Here's another one. Why the rich stay rich? We've all heard the rich keep getting richer, the poor keep getting poorer. We've all heard it. It's so cliche. And the thing is, is that why rich people stay rich, why they get richer, 
is because of how they spend their money. So the average person is staying broke by spending their money on things while rich people are investing their money in opportunities. So let me say that again. Broke people are staying broke because they are spending their money on things while rich people are getting richer because they are investing their money in opportunities. So think about that. Poor people usually don't have the capital necessary to invest in money to begin with, right? So that's where we go back to the whole, you know, privilege, luck, all of that things. And that is hard when the odds are stacked against you. When you're born into low income, poverty, um, just, you know, the odds are stacked against you obviously. And you can't afford to invest or risk losing money when you're living paycheck to paycheck. And a lot of us have experienced this. And a lot of us have experienced, you know, being buried in debt, having to, you know, struggle to pay the electricity, having to struggle to pay to buy groceries. I I have. We've been there. A lot of us who are on a debt-free journey, that's where we started. Or maybe that's where we (laughs) currently are. And you can't afford to lose that money living paycheck to paycheck. So you don't have room for risk. So that's where we go back to, we've got to look for ways to expand our opportunities. We've got to look for ways to cut back our expenses and increase our income so we can have that money available to invest. And we can stop, we have to stop spending our money on things. We have to stop spending all our extra money on clothes and restaurants when that money could be going into an investment or that money could be going into getting us out of debt so later that money can go to going into investments, right? Rich people can invest in opportunities such as businesses and stocks and gain interest in and gain interest with their money in a bank. So the goal is financial independence, right? The FIRE movement is, the FIRE stands for financial independence, retire early. So the goal here is financial independence and to have enough money that we can live off the interest. That's our goal. Our goal is to get our investments to a high enough point that before my husband retires, for us to be able to bare bones minimum live on the interest. And then like if he wants to have a hobby type job, after he retires from the water, that's what he can do. Um, and I would like to continue to do what I'm doing right now um, and grow, you know, with my speaking, write a book, do all that kind of stuff. So that is our goal, to live off of the interest. While poor people, on the other hand, are buying things like lottery tickets, and I've seen this, I worked at a gas station for the last two years of high school and um, a very, you know, we live in East Texas and very rural and, you know, but we also had a guy who lived in our community who came into the gas station almost every day. He was a regular and he actually had won the lottery. <clears throat> Interesting. Like a couple million. And he still lived super modest. He lived in the same house. He still, you know, dressed like a cowboy, <laughs> like did the thing. Um, but he wasn't in there buying scratch-offs every day. You know, he wasn't in there, like, buying all this crap. He was coming in there and drinking coffee and talking, like, chatting with all the other old men. <laughs> um, So, 
I think that he like got he took that luck and like ran with it. And where you would see the other people who were like struggling to buy gas, who would come in and like buy gas and spare change, you know, they would be the ones in there on payday buying a pocket full of scratch offs, right? And that's just not that's not an investment. You're thinking on the chance of winning a large sum of money. And statistically, what are you going to do if you haven't worked on your mindset, if you haven't changed your habits, you're going to blow that money on frivolous things, cars, parties, massive homes, clothes, you know, things like that. And we have all heard these stories of people who win the lottery and that's what they do. So I had the experience of seeing this man who did get lucky, who he was already pretty comfortable, um, meaning that he already had the discipline. And so when he did win the lottery, he didn't waste it, right? So a lot of people, when they do get lucky, win the lottery, you know, they quit their jobs, they run out of money, they're in, they're in the same boat they were before they won because they never changed any of their habits and they didn't change their mindset, okay? And another thing that I found was that the ultra-wealthy are very good at not comparing their wealth to other individuals. So again, they're not worried about what everyone else is doing. And this is a trap that many non-wealthy people fall into. They see what their neighbors are doing, their coworkers are doing. Um, and, you know, they they don't go out and buy a Lexus just because their neighbor has one. Instead, they invest that money and they compound that interest into returns. Then when they've reached their desired level of wealth, they can cash out and they can buy the toys and stuff that they want, but they know that that hustle has to go in first, right? And another thing that I found is that no one needs to be perfect to become wealthy, right? There's circumstances that obviously will conspire against us and mistakes will be made, but all of these millionaires have had these challenges and they have persevered and they've overcome and they've taken risks and sometimes they fell flat on their face and they don't have to be perfect. And I saw that in a lot of these articles that I was reading and I know this from a lot of the, um, a lot of the people that I follow on social media is they take risks, y'all. Like they're not living in their bubble and they fall flat on their face sometimes. But when they fall, they get back up and they persevere and they overcome. Um, so this is where I wanted to, I put it in my notes to remember to mention, but I already did, um, the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And in the book, he talks about his birth father versus, gosh, what was it? Was it just a mentor? Was it a stepfather? Ah, I can't remember. I read this book like a year and a half ago. But basically, um, two two men in his life, one, the poor dad was his birth dad. I remember that part. And it was the comparison of how they had raised him and the things that they had told him and um, just the comparison. And that was really um, a really a really big eye opener for me. So that's a really good place to start. I think if you want to start with like millionaire mind, like type books. So let's wrap up this um, episode with talking about where the risk, where the rich invest their money. So that was another question that I got a lot in, in y'all's responses is like, well, what do they do with their money? So according to Forbes, 
wealthy people know that growing their wealth is about more than throwing money into the stock market, you know, and becoming an entrepreneur or taking big risks. They know that it is sometimes a combination of all of these things and that there's more to it. You know, it's also about learning. It's about seeking personal coaching. It's about mentorship, masterminding groups, building relationships, you know, it's about that networking. And so according to this Forbes article, they're not just investing their money in stock markets and, and, um, you know, promising startups and things like that. They're also investing their money in learning in joining mastermind groups and building relationships and, and networking and things like that. And they also invest their money in assets, not liabilities. So these are things that they can re that have resale value, things that will earn them money in the long run, or at least have some sort of a resale value. So you're not investing money when you're buying clothes. You're not investing money when you when you're going out to a restaurant. That money spent is not going to do anything for you in the long term. So on a smaller scale, things that we can do when we're at the beginning of this journey is making smart investments when we buy our vehicles. You know, that's a really a, a good beginner step. So we are constantly taking into account when we are buying our vehicles, well, what are they going to be worth in one, two, three, five years, you know, um, what is our resale value? And us personally, we are constantly, we have our vehicles figured into our net worth. So I have that figured into what I could resell them for today and what I could get back out of that. And so I'm focusing on the asset value. My car is an asset. It is not a, um, it's not a need. I mean, it is a need because I need to get to where I'm going, <laughs> but I have to, I have to think about the money aspect of it. And I have to think that I don't want to be upside down on that vehicle. And it's just like our boat. Okay. So we sold our old boat and you guys might've seen that post and we paid 6,800 for it. And then we used it for three years. Obviously we did have maintenance repairs throughout the years that I wasn't super good about tracking. I mean, I tracked it in my like budget register, but I don't have like a total. Um, but we did, I know that we put, we put money into repairs and stuff, a few hundred here and there and stuff like that. Um, and then we turned around and we sold it a couple weeks ago for 3,500. And so I was figuring it in our assets as 4,000 value. Um, but it was somebody that we knew personally and it was like all cash and it was whatever. And we were still like, okay, 3,500 is fine. So we used it for three summers and we essentially, it essentially went down in value $3,300. But we, we knew that we knew it was going to, so we calculated that in. And so to us, we weren't just buying a boat, um, we were also considering what it would resell for. And we were realizing that it's just, an, it's an asset. Like it's not just a toy, it is an asset. And so we have to go into that thinking about the money aspect of it. Um, and so we know that 
if we would have spent $6,800 on a vacation, there wouldn't have been anything to resell, right? At the end of it, we would have just been out that money. So we take those calculated risks and we, we think of things as assets now. Um, so maybe that'll help as you're going into like your next car purchase and things like that to think about it that way. So they also understand the importance of savings, um, the basic investing, and, and they know how to take calculated risks. Millionaires' investments are generally simple and low cost. So this is what the research found is that low cost stock index funds, and I've heard this time and time again in the FIRE community, is index funds, index funds. Um, so low cost stock index funds purchased and grown over time are a key part of building millionaire wealth. Becoming wealthy is simply creating a gap between earning and spending for many years. So a huge, so it said, I wanted to make sure to note this, a huge inheritance or hot stock tip is not required to become a millionaire. Becoming wealthy is simply creating a gap between earning and spending for many years. Simply, you've got to spend less than you make. There has to be a gap there and you have to do it for for many years. You can't just cut back for like two years and be like, okay, I'm done. Am I a millionaire yet? <laughs> we have to do it for many years and keep doing it. So where rich people keep their money? So we talked about... Um, reconciling our budgets and like checking over their portfolios. So rich people have diversified portfolios. So they own stocks, bonds, businesses, real estate, etc. They don't have all their eggs in one basket. And they definitely don't have savings accounts sitting around with a billion dollars in it, right? They have their money spread out over assets and different investments. So the compilation of wealth ends up varying considerably between lower and higher net worths. And I thought this was really interesting. And I I linked to the chart that I'm looking at. Um, what did I say in the show notes about it? Chart, yeah. It says, in the show notes, it says article, chart, what assets make up wealth. So definitely go and look at this. Because I'm looking at it and I'm, you know, obviously y'all can't see it, but it's a really cool chart. It was really helpful and I'm a visual person. So um, basically showing the difference in wealth between the varying net worth. So the lower net worth compared to the higher net worth of where they have their assets. So a primary residence, this is by far the most important asset class. Um, for all net worths, tiers up to a million dollars. So when your net worth is under a million dollars, basically, your primary residence is usually your biggest asset, which, I mean, a lot of us, that, I mean, that makes sense. Your house, that's most of the time the most expensive thing any of us have ever spent money on. Next is your vehicles. For the 10,000 net worth tier, the vehicle, the value of the vehicle is more then investments in things like pensions, IRAs, mutual funds, and stocks. So people with net worths lower than 10000 most of their wealth is tied up in their vehicle. And that's terrifying to me because I think a vehicle, it could be, 
it could be totaled in a matter of seconds. And I personally, I don't want all of my net worth or the majority of my net worth tied up in something so tangible, you know, so um, not tangible, but something that could be gone so fast, right? Next is stocks. The proportion of directly held stocks increase up the tier. So the richer people are, the more of their assets are in stocks. And billionaires hold a significant portion of their wealth in stocks. Business interests was another area. Most multimillionaires or billionaires, their money is not liquid. So they don't have a billion dollars just sitting around in a bag. They're not rappers. <laughs> They're not celebrities. You know, like that is not the norm. That's what we see on TV and that's what we see on social media, but that's not the norm. Most millionaires, multimillionaires and billionaires don't have their money in liquid assets. Most have their wealth in business interests. And so check out this chart that I'm talking about. Um, it was really... It was really great. I'm trying to see where it came from. Visualcapitalist.com, I think is where it came from. Um, so it basically is a chart of one side. It says net worth tier, a 10,000 net worth, 100,000, 1 million, 10 million, 100 million, and 1 billion. And then it has the different things of how much is liquid, like how much is literally cash, what percentage, what percentage is your primary residence, your vehicles, your retirement, your life insurance, um, your stocks, and your business interests are all of the, um, yeah, mutual funds, stocks, fixed income investments, managed assets, real estate, business interests. Yeah. So it shows you that percentage. And what is crazy to me is that for people who have a billion dollar net worth more than half it doesn't tell you the exact let's see that's half probably like 60 70 percent of their assets are in business interests like what people with their net worth that is ten thousand it's probably like three percent are in business interest so it just it just shows you and what it literally is crazy to me and is so eye-opening is that it's basically a sliding scale so the the lower your net worth is the more the more your percentage is cash the more your percentage is your house and your vehicles and then um the higher your net worth is it's like a very very small percentage like a billionaire their percentage of cash is like it looks like it's like one percent maybe so they're not keeping a lot of cash laying around they're investing it and they definitely are not spending it strictly on their primary residence and their vehicles like that is this again that is like probably less than five percent of their wealth so think about that when you are going to you know quote unquote invest in that lexus in that mercedes you know that you think you've got to have that sixty thousand dollar suv you're tying the majority of your wealth up in a vehicle. And that is not what the ultra wealthy are doing at all. <laughs> um, so think about that as you're going into it and definitely um, jump over to this link and check out this chart. It is, um, I'll try to share this on my story also when this episode comes out for y'all. 
if I can remember. <laughs> um, yeah, so I hope that that was helpful. I know this was another long episode. I've just had a lot to, a lot on my mind to share with y'all. And so um, I hope that you're enjoying these longer episodes these past couple weeks. And I, I was really, really excited to learn all of this for myself and read these different articles that I am going to um, listen to those other books that I linked to. And so check those out check out all of the links that I added in the show notes and I hope that this was helpful I hope that this motivated and inspired you guys and that's all for me this week I'll talk to you guys next week bye guys thanks for hanging out for another episode of a sunny side up life podcast if you enjoyed this episode please share it with a friend because you never know who needs to hear this message if you haven't already please leave a review and subscribe reviews and subscribers are what help the podcast grow and what help new ladies find our community. And again, thanks for hitting play on this episode and for investing some time in yourself today. Remember that I'm always here to support you and I'm always cheering you on along the way. Don't forget that everything that we mentioned in this episode will be linked in the show notes. All right, that's all for me this week. Bye guys.